Hello, my name is Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN, and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This episode is about green data centers, uh, and we are in the process of having a series of conversations about uh, green data centers and actually creating carbon neutral infrastructure. Uh, and in this sort of short conversation, we go through what's going on in the industry, why it matters, how to think about it, because this isn't just about servers using electrons. The actual conversation about making our infrastructure carbon neutral includes thinking about all of the components that go into our infrastructure. So I know you will enjoy this conversation. I did. I, so, so, so I got to use your quote um, with uh, yeah? uh, ESG as the result, not the goal. But and, and more importantly, I got to use it with Jonathan King. So he says hi. <laughs> he says hi, and, we should, and 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 he also said we should catch up sometime. That would be great. Where is he now? In a while. He had a data center company called Switch, um, which is know them very well. And uh, so does Mark Teeley, who's about to join us. Um, and, uh, obviously we're talking to them in the context of, um, uh, ESG and carbon neutral data centers. And of course, Jonathan's position is, is just move everything to switch because we're already carbon neutral. So, but that's fine. Um, that sounds great. Switch is carbon neutral. So they, so they claim, they claim they're all solar powered and, uh, Mm-hmm. And backed by uh, Tesla batteries. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's a, a a lot to unpack from carbon neutral. Uh, I know that Switch has been pursuing um, renewable energy for a long time, and they made some investments in both getting off of the Nevada grid um, and in getting some solar built. Um, I don't know how much of the solar they use is theirs versus solar that's been added to the grid in general. Um, still, based on today's met- We just lost your audio. Mark, um, that still qualifies you as, as in theory, being um, uh, on renewable energy. But carbon, carbon neutral um, is well, I don't know. Carbon neutral and carbon net zero are not well understood by a lot of people, and uh, they might be. They might be getting close to carbon neutral in um, the allocation of energy that they're using if they're not already there. Um, and within that category, you have to one. You have to uh, debate um, how much of what's being created for them um, is therefore then not being used by someone else on the grid, right? Which is a common problem. But the other piece is just what's the embedded carbon? Uh, and that that gets to carbon net zero, right? So what's the embedded carbon in everything they build and, and operate, um, uh, you know, from their parking lots to the cement in their buildings to the steel and cement and steel um, are, are both high impact carbon creators. Um, and I'm not I'm not necessarily dissing them. I'm just trying to qualify the fact that um, there is a difference between being on, you know, renewable energy or and or the assumption of renewable energy through some form of credit or or agreement and being carbon net zero. 
I, I agree. I've been working on this problem for probably eight months now. And I don't I mean every, every time I turn over a rock, it seems to get at this point, it seems to get more complicated. Right. Um, but, right. I mean, I, I don't know all the answers. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to talk with um, some of the biggest names in this space, people like Christian Bellotti and Joe Cava and, and um, uh, Peter Gross and, and others on a fairly regular basis. And um, uh, Peter Gross doesn't necessarily deploy this stuff anymore, but he has an impact on, on how people think about it and how people, other people might deploy. Um, Joe Cava and Christian Bellotti, along with the folks at Amazon, own the biggest instantiations of carbon creating or the risk of carbon creating or carbon using um, equipment. And um, uh, they are very aggressive at trying to reduce this, including the recent announcements that came out of um, the data cloud event by iMasons on the um, climate accord, um, which I've signed up for. And the climate accord is goes to that second point that I was making earlier. The Climate Accord is, is meant to provide companies with eventually with a measure, an ability to measure and manage the um, embedded carbon in everything that they buy or build. And it starts with a, um, uh, what do you call those things? Um, uh, 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 God, I can't believe I can't remember the name of them. Um, uh, not a, a not a, a barcode, but a um, a QR code. Yeah, a QR code. Thank you very much. Starts with a QR code that goes on the equipment and or service and identifies the baseline of embedded carbon. And and then and that's it. Really, is just the beginning, right? It's, it's it's sort of like a no penalty, no bad guy way to start to say, look, we have to start. It's not about finding people that are worse or better. It's about finding what your baseline is. And then they'll put processes and tools and measurements and all kinds of stuff in place to make it more actionable over time. Mark, when when you were making the distinctions between the uh, carbon neutral and net zero, which if there is a distinction, which of them takes into account first cost or first, you know, kind of the initial hit on carbon for the construction and then the ongoing consumption of of energy do they make any do they make a, a distinction and do you have a kind of like a a total that includes first cost well the uh, you're talking about the um the thing from my masons yeah yeah no in this case they're they're only talking about first cost as to what goes into making something Okay, and yeah. not its ongoing operational. That's right, right. So the the, the other measures that, that are in place or being created by other people, um, you know, everything from the the uh, Department of Energy's STAR to uh, PUE to, you know, uh, other tools that people use are likely to continue to be um, requirements. But there are also other companies that are looking at um, – better enabling people to understand the energy that they're using and the data and, and leverage that data to make improvements. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like a friend of mine who actually also used to work at switch, uh, Adam Kramer, a company called uh, N zero. And, um, and they're doing some really interesting stuff. And, and in fact, they're being used by um, 
a handful of very well-known brands already um, to help provide those kind of measures. But to your point, Rich, my long-winded answer is that, yeah, they are two very different things as far as this effort is concerned. Uh, and I think um, well, the, the, the genesis of this activity came out of a recent meeting with that a lot of us were in and um, with the simple notion of, you know, we can't, we can't get rid of this. It's likely to continue growing as far as demand is concerned, no matter how hard we may try. Um, raising prices isn't going to be an answer or things like that. Other people will solve for, for raising prices by, by lowering their own. Um, so the only other option is to try to find ways to, to reduce the, um, the generation of carbon um, in the materials and equipment that are used. Uh, and that, again, that's everything from paint to cement to um, steel to pavement and, and so on and so on and so on. And, and the actual servers and network gear and storage gear themselves. Is there anybody that's specifically looking to benchmark over time the consumption, the either the 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 net generation of carbon or the net reduction in carbon? Well, that's that's the, the longer term goal for this activity from iMasons. Right. right. But, that, okay. So after yeah. after first cost, then right. the, okay. Yeah. And and is there a are there proposals for specific metrics? Not yet. That's what they're they're gonna really they wanted to make this announcement with uh, um, the idea of getting as many people on board as possible in kind of a no threat environment and no, a no reporting of, of bad guys kind of environment. And, um, and no then shaking, more, no, no shaking of things. That's right. Right. No shaming, all that stuff and get, um, and get people on board with the um, creation of uh, ongoing measures and metrics and potentially um, alternative sourcing. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, ironically, I worked for um, as a CTO for a brief period of time for a software company called CSRWare. And before they eventually got bought, um, uh, I was no longer there. But before they eventually got bought, they actually were um, working on something in parallel to what these guys are doing. And that was helping companies understand um, what the source of everything they were buying was. Right, where the materials came from, how they were acquired, who worked on them, all of that kind of stuff. Um, for more than just embedded carbon, but uh, you know, and certainly embedded sure. carbon is part of it. Yeah. Sure. Interesting. Yeah, but it, you know, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, um, oh. a, a single a single data center, a single mid sized data center can put. Uh, just for the cement alone, can put eighteen hundred tons of carbon in the air. And Are they going to be using I, the Sinai platform? What's that? Are they going to be using the Sinai platform? Never heard to of it. To measure the carbon. Yeah, I don't it's know. An, it, it's a specialized product for measuring CO two emissions and for uh, entry into carbon credit markets. Hmm. 
I, I hadn't heard about, it, but uh, um, uh, uh, I, I could certainly ask Dean. Dean is um, my brother-in-law and also the the um, I Masons um, founder. I Masons is yeah, it's, it's a really interesting yeah. product. Yeah, because it measures all the different types of emissions that come out of whether it's factories and plants or office buildings or you know right. virtually any large project. Yep. You can start capturing and measuring. And uh, it's it's been around for a little while. Um, I had the opportunity to play with it for a period of time because we had a client that was doing in gas and oil that was looking to capture CO2 as pipelines were being built. Right. Because of the concrete, because of the construction and all of that sort of stuff. And it's 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 a very interesting way to look at it. Also, because there's a big carbon credit thing in Canada anyway uh, for capturing and whatever. And there were a lot of companies that were looking into Sinai. It's still, I would say, an early stage startup, but yep. very interesting technology. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, any chance you could send me a, a link? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I'm sure they'll look for any kind of help they can get. It, I, my my impression from talking to some of these guys is that while um, uh, for many companies being carbon neutral or um, um, uh, on renewable energy, on renewable energy is still a considerable percentage of that talk is smoke and mirrors. Um, that uh, my my perception of these people as friends is that they have um, reached a point in their lives where they want to be able to say they're leaving the planet a little bit better than the way they um, found it or made it. And um, I, I believe them. I mean, I've known some of these guys for 20 years and I believe what they're saying. This is not right. The conversations they're having with people like me is not, it's not for the press, right? It's just their, their motivation is to try to find the right way eventually to get to a true carbon net zero. Well, this is one way that could benefit how they go about doing that capture from a more pragmatic point of view, like to look at it from the numbers and kind of work it backwards to what do you have to capture to be able to, to have the numbers be usable in some format. Um, and then the other the other thing is, and I've said this to you before, I'll hook you up with John Burton because uh, at Ursula, they're big on sustainability and they're doing uh, the digital twins now for carbon capture. Nice. Across a variety of different kinds of projects. So they would probably be interested in getting involved. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, just uh, trying to plan carbon capture, like looking, I mean, you guys are all smart enough to, probably visualize this already, but if you're, if you're looking at building a data center, um, virtually no one today would build a data center without doing some sort of 3d modeling. And, uh, the 3d modeling is obviously getting better and better with, with tools like digital twins. But the basic idea is that if you've got thousands of miles of copper and piping and routing and, um, height management issues and pathway issues and all that kind of stuff, and you've got to worry about, what can be close to what other things and so on and so forth. And all of these things have to pass each other without running into each other. And they have to pass each other without causing loss of, of, um, of, uh, of connectivity because you got power too close to fiber or something like that. 
all of those uh, issues, no different in a chemical facility than a data center, um, that that same kind of modeling to Joanne's point is really critical when you're looking at something like a, a, a wide open mining pit or a, a cement factory uh, location is, how much are you digging? What kind of equipment are you using and digging? What went into, what fuels are they using? How many hours do they do they dig before they get a ton of material? What other machinery do we use to run that ton of material in order to process it into the cement or the, the, the um, components of cement? Uh, what about the driving and shipping it from there to somewhere else? That and you know thousands of other things go into. And so being able to model that ahead of time or or after you've already done it, so you have a better idea of where to attack um, the most obvious targets, um, yeah. is, is a huge value. Huh. Wouldn't that then go back to um, an emphasis on reusing or reinvigorating existing sites? It, it could. It could. I mean, it's it's. I know it sounds um, stupid, and I'm only bringing this up because you guys are all friends. Um, so you, 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 I, I hope you accept that I'm not just trying to make an impression. Um, but Edgevana was really started, and some of you have heard this from me, uh, but Edgevana was really started under the pretext that our best way to expand into the future is to maximize the value of what's already been built. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, a lot of people, I've, I've had some ugly arguments with people that have Priuses as example. And I say, so, um, how do you drive your Prius? Oh, I only drive it a couple of times a week. Well, how do you drive it? Well, I drive it, you know, 30 miles back and forth to work and I'm not in the car for more than half an hour per day or whatever. And I say, what, what were you driving before? I was driving a Camry. But you realize that if you'd just driven your, your existing Camry longer, you would have had a much better impact on the environment than building a brand new car. And then not using that car in the way that, maximizes its potential value in reducing carbon usage because a Prius for lack of a better description was a much better car as a taxi in cities. If you want to save on carbon emissions than it is for an average daily driver. So um, how you look at, at, um, at what you have and, and what you use is oftentimes just as important, if not more important, than the cool factor of being able to build something brand new that has all the right considerations from the start. Uh, and so my, again, my long-winded way of saying that if um, resources at the edge, if resources of global infrastructure are hard to find or hard to acquire by some, then the best opportunity is to maximize <clears throat> how those buildings are used and even potentially help those owners um, find longer life from those facilities because beyond the fact that reusing the facility or using the facility more effectively is better than building a new one, it already has the advantage of, of potentially being in the right place to start with, which is, um, a, a, you know, a whole other uh, impact avoidance opportunity. I was I've, I've seen them taught them converting coal plants to storage storage because they already have all the lines and footprints and right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think we do need we need we do need to think about that. I, I have actually a similar comment um, about repurposing uh, infrastructure you've already purchased um, rather than just buying new, more efficient gear. 
I, I like that we're talking about the full impact, not just the watts consumed. Yeah. Right. There's just your point with the Prius. The you know the Prius might use less gas per mile, but it might not be the whole com- whole story here. Right. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. This is part of a series we are going to keep talking about green data centers and. I want you to be a part of the conversation. Join us at the 2030.cloud. Look at the schedule. Participate in these roundtables. One of the most important things we can do is help improve the carbon neutrality, really get to carbon neutrality of our infrastructure. And the only way we're going to do that is by having conversations about how to do it and then taking the steps necessary. So please join us. Be part of this conversation at the cloud 2030. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.